It is such an honor and a privilege to be with you today, and uh, thank you. Oh, this worship has been, mm, I tell you, I felt the Lord just really speaking to me for you guys just to keep worshiping, and the people are going to keep coming. Amen. As you worship the Lord, it's going to be contagious, because this, this is a contagious room this morning. I mean, amen. If you're not blessed, it, your wood must be wet. I mean, really, if you're not on fire today, I tell you. Praise God. It's been great, great worship. Praise the Lord. And, and I give honor to Pastor John and Judy Ingstrom, our long, long-time friends, and we love them. They, uh, I tell you, I, I just, I, I, we went into the conference room this morning, and uh, I just love to hear their stories and, and their experiences. And we have common ground because we're from God's other country, North Carolina. Amen. Pastor Judy and, and my wife. It's good to have my wife with us, pa- uh, Pastor Sharon. Almost 36 years she's been traveling with me, and we've been married 36 years this coming September. And, uh, and we're so blessed to have, uh, I mean, these folks drove the feathers. They drove all the way from North Carolina to be in the, in the service this morning. I mean, that's pretty good commute, Amen. And, uh, I mean, they started out pretty early, you know, uh, about uh, six, eight weeks ago. But um, they're doing a coast-to-coast with their family, and they homeschool. And, and uh, they're active and leaders in our church at Bethel. And, and uh, we just love them. Uh, Jason, he fixes everything I got. And uh, I, have an, I have an old Jeep, and, and we were on vacation. They, my radio went out. I called Jason. <laughs> He said, just bring it over here to the house. And I got back from vacation and had a brand new radio in there. And he fixed me up and I loaned it to my son the other day. He said, Dad, he said, I got in your Jeep. He said, you got an awesome radio now. It has Apple CarPlay on it. And so, wow. So we're just blessed to have them with us today. What a, what a great family. They're kids and just wonderful. And uh, so this is a fun day. Amen. Wow, I mean, and, uh, you know, we even got the, the Mariners to win last night. I mean, hallelujah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. They won in the ninth inning. And, uh, but I do want to invite you. Uh, we are uh, taking a group this November to uh, Israel, and um, we'd love to extend an invitation to anyone who'd like to travel with us. Uh, I think we've got about six seats left is all we have so uh, we pretty much got a full house already, but we would love for you to fill in those six seats. And uh, I think they may have a, uh, a flyer to put up. If not, I've got one here with me. And uh, it's uh, $39.99 from uh, Washington Dulles. It's nonstop from Washington Dulles to Tel Aviv and uh, then back to Washington Dulles. So you would have to add your, your transportation to Dulles from here in the Seattle area. But we'd love to have you join us. It's going to be a great trip. Dr. Harry Smith and myself, who is the vice president of the Fellowship Network, he and I have been taking groups now for several years. And, and so uh, we have been trying to get this trip in since 2020. And uh, it was canceled and, and rescheduled for 21, then canceled, now rescheduled for 22. But uh, we just found out this week that you do not have to have a... COVID test to come back into the United States now. So that's, that's really good. You do have to have one going into Israel, a negative COVID test, but you do not have to be fully vaccinated, but you do have to have a 
Uh, you do have to have <laughs> you do have to have a negative COVID test to get into Israel. So, um, but we would love to have you join with us. I really feel like that God is doing a new thing here, and I really sense it in this room this morning. And uh, before I get into my message, I just want to give speak a prophetic word. Isaiah forty two nine. Behold, the former things have come to pass. And new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Behold, Isaiah 43, 19, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That means during the good times, during the tough times, during the valley, the mountaintop, God's going to make a way and he's doing a new thing. I really believe it's a new season for this ministry, for this church. And I believe that in, in that time, here's some prophetic things I want to give you. Number one, there's going to be new relationships developed in the community. There's going to be new relationships, new influences that God is going to give to this ministry and this church. It was strategically envisioned from the very beginning. And that vision is still going forth. It's not fulfilled yet. It's still in process and God is going to continue to fulfill the vision of the origin of this church. So there's going to be new relationships. There's going to be new recognition. People are going to see you in a different way in this community. They're going to see you beyond what they've seen you in the past. They're going to see you in a new, fresh way, new recognitions. People are going to drive by and sense the presence of God as they drive by this property like they never have before. I really believe that. I believe they're going to drive through the presence of God. It's going to enter their cars as they drive by. You're strategically you're placed here. Pastor Pat and Doug strategically placed this church here behind, beside these interstates and these interchanges. Pastor John and I were talking about it. So new recognition, a new reputation. Well, what, you're going to be known for, uh, I think, even beyond what you've been known for in the past. You're known as a, a church that uh, it has a, a missions mind. It has a missions assignment and a, a mission vision to not just touch a community but reach the world. But that reputation is going to increase and grow around the world. Amen. And, and as your uh, Pastor Jonathan goes out, this reputation is going to continue to blossom and bloom. Then, then there's going to be new revelation. New revelation. There's logos. Thank God we have logos. But there's also rhema, which means God takes the logos and speaks something specifically into your life for just a time, such a time as this. And so Logos and Rhema is flowing here in new revelation. Things that we've read that scripture over and over again, but God's going to give us a new revelation on it. He's going to give us new insight to it. It's, there's not anything new under the sun, but our awareness becomes new. So new revelation and then finally new results. God's going to, the results are up to God. Amen. We, we preach and we minister, but the results are, are in his, his control. And I believe for new results in souls and lives being changed, people being delivered and set free. Praise God by the power of God. Do you receive that word today? Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And if you would, stand with us and we're going to read together. Luke chapter 8, verse 42. Luke chapter 8, verse 42. When you find your scripture, say, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, that's enough to get started. I hear a few pages still turning. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. 12 years is a long time. 12 years is a long time to be sick. 12 years is a long time to bleed. But no one could heal her. She just hadn't found the right one yet. She just hadn't found the right physician. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately everybody say immediately Immediately. her bleeding stopped God can do an instantaneous miracle he's still in the miracle working business who touched me Jesus asked when they all denied it Peter said master The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. She was trying real hard to go unnoticed. There's a reason why she was trying to go unnoticed. She was not supposed to be in the parade. She came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. And how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Now I ask that your anointing, the Holy Spirit, would empower us to rightly divide this word of truth. Let it accomplish what it is sent to do, because your word never returns empty. So Lord, I know that you have needs to address in this room right now. You have hurting people, broken people, bleeding people people that God you want to heal now let faith arise come now faith come faith as the hearing of the word let faith arise and let miracles happen in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. you may be seated thank you this picture that they have on the wall hangs in the chapel or in the synagogue of uh, the, um, it's a chapel dedicated to the women in the Bible in Magdala, the city of Mary Magdalene. It hangs, it's, there's a, a uh, synagogue that they've built uh, downstairs in the basement. Maybe some of you have been there. Just right on the Sea of Galilee. Been there many times. And uh, this picture is my favorite picture now. It uh, depicts the woman with the issue of blood on her hands and knees, touching the hem of his garment. 
in this synagogue, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because the, the Catholic Church had bought this piece of property on the Sea of Galilee to build a retreat center. And when they began to dig the foundation for the, for the buildings, which were going to be a, a hotel and a restaurant and swimming pool and, and other uh, recreational things, it's going to be a retreat center and, uh, for guests traveling to the Sea of Galilee to stay. And the Catholic Church was building it. And in the middle of their building, uh, in the middle of their digging of the foundation, they discovered a first century synagogue. So intact until the floor and parts of the wall of that synagogue were still in, intact, still in place, still visible, still usable. Uh, the, the Byzantine floor... Uh, tile floor is is very visible. I, I wish I had pictures of it. I could show it to you. But it, it was such an incredible discovery until they had to completely stop the building uh, and the construction because it became a uh, historic holy site immediately. They actually found a box that was used in that first century synagogue that would have held the Jew would have held the scrolls that the teachers, the rabbis, would come and take the scroll out and read from those scrolls in that first century synagogue. So no doubt this first century synagogue would have been a place where Jesus would have, as a rabbi, would have spent time teaching in because he went to the synagogues and taught. And this is in the city of Magdala where Mary Magdalene was delivered and set free. And Luke chapter 8 gives us somewhat of a description of that because there, there's some travel back and forth by Jesus. Luke chapter 8 is a long chapter. There's a lot going on here. And, uh, and this, is, this is what's happening. And so th- this picture hangs in that they built a chapel there on that property that is dedicated to all the women in the Bible. And they've got pillars in there dedicated to the women of the Bible. And they have this picture down in that synagogue downstairs, which is a, a new synagogue that they built and a replica. And you go in there and you have prayer. And we were in there uh, about two, three trips ago. Uh, there was a gentleman there from Jacksonville, Florida, who had, had been having foot problems all during the trip. And we began to pray in that room, all of those travelers. And God touched that brother from Jacksonville, Florida, and healed him in his feet. And he was able to enjoy the rest of the trip. God's still a miracle-working God. Amen? He's still in the healing business. And um, I want to share with you about that today, and I wanted to share that picture with you today. It is a beautiful uh, portrait of touching Jesus. You know, this woman, so many interesting things. First of all, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter has died or dying, or, and she's passed away. And isn't it interesting that his, Jairus' daughter, the Bible says, is about 12 years old. So here we have a 12-year-old who has died, 12-year-old girl. That's a tremendous need. Here we have a woman who's been bleeding for the same amount of time, 12 years. She's been bleeding. Now, this woman made a decision. At some point, of course, we know that she had spent everything that she had on doctors. 
and on physicians trying to get better, which meant a reasonable deduction would say um, if you were able to treat yourself with medical uh, help for 12 years, you had to be pretty wealthy to pay doctor bills for 12 years, to live independently for 12 years. So this was, this was, this was a woman, no doubt, of means, and um, she was able to, um, to take care of these bills for herself, but it was very costly, 12 years of medical bills. If you've had any medical bills lately, you know what I'm talking about. I, my, mine didn't, my money didn't last 12 minutes when I had medical problems and, and because it's so expensive. It's so expensive. And so this tells us something about this woman that she had, had means. She, she was able to uh, try to get care for 12 years. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. Another interesting thing about this woman is that um, according to the Bible, anytime that you had a, a bleed, you were considered unclean. Uh, therefore, you could not go in public. Much like if you're diagnosed with COVID today, you have to isolate for however many days. They keep changing it. I think it was five, t- uh, 12 one time, 10 one time, 14 one time, 5 one time. Um, anyway, um, I'm just glad you're all here. Amen. Healthy and whole. Amen. But it, it was much like that. You had to isolate. You had to quarantine. And, and you were not to be out in public. You were isolated. You were rejected. Um, you were labeled. You were given a label. Anybody identify sometimes things in our life that happen that are out of our control and sometimes in our control, but we get labeled with that. We get, we, we, we get uh, ostracized. We get rejected. We, we find um, that, that people are, are, are apprehensive to engage with us because of maybe our past, maybe something that, that happened uh, you know, in our past. We're talking about 12 years. 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of sickness, 12 years of disease that this woman has had. She's been isolated for these 12 years. The only time that she would go out, no doubt, would be to visit a physician, a doctor. But she heard about Jesus. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. He is the answer. He is the solution. He is the, we just sang it. Thank you all for singing that Alpha and Omega. I thought I was back in Haiti. Glory to God. They sing that every time we go to Haiti. And I haven't been able to go for several years because of the danger there. But, uh, whoo, praise God. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first and the last. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Woo, glory to God. He's a rock. He, he's, the, he's the water. He's the bread. Ah, he is everything. He's, he is Jehovah. Amen. He is the, the Savior. He, oh, he's the healer. He's the redeemer. He's our soon coming King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the master. 
He can calm the seas. <laughs> he can raise the dead. He can heal the leper. He can set the captives free. I'm here to tell you who Jesus is. Not who I am, but who he is. He's the reason why we came here today. He's the reason why we sing today. He's the reason why we live, we move, and we have our being. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will do nothing but magnify Jesus. The Holy Spirit says, wait a minute, I'm here on the earth today as the active member of the Godhead, but my purpose is to glorify Him. My purpose is to bring people to Him. My, people, my purpose is to bring Him, bring people to the great physician, the healer, the redeemer, the Savior who will deliver you and set you free. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit today. And she heard about him. I'm glad, we, I'm glad I heard about him. I'm glad somebody introduced me to Jesus and not just religion. I'm glad somebody introduced me to a relationship and not just religion. I'm glad somebody introduced me to faith in Jesus and not just some kind of formula. Hallelujah. I'm glad we met him. But this woman had never met him. She'd only heard about him. But she decided, I have tried everything. Some of us sitting here this morning, I really believe the Holy Spirit. I don't know but what there isn't but just one person here today, but I believe there's many that today's your day to touch Jesus. We, sometimes we're always saying, you know, Jesus touched me, Jesus touched me. But I want to flip that. It's time for us to have a faith that says, I'm going to touch him. I, I can touch him for myself. Nobody. <laughs> whoo. I got to tell you a few things here. Number one, she touched him with her humility. The principle of humility. You know, pride... Pride. I just want you to hear that word. Pride. It goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is what rose up in Satan. And a third of his angels, a third of the fallen angels, a third of the angels followed him in pursuit in pride. Pride is, is, God is opposed to it. You're in opposition to God when you elevate yourself in ego, in pride. The Bible says in James that God resists the proud, but he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. I'm glad that we can humble ourselves. And it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want you to notice the posture and position of this lady. In the picture, you'll recall there was sandals and feet, dirty feet, smelly feet. Because they wore sandals and the, the, the terrain was not, 
carpet. It was not even concrete. It was dusty. It was dirt. And all of these people are around Jesus. And she's down amongst the dirt. She's down on her hands and her knees in a posture of humility. Uh, There's nothing wrong with getting on our knees before God. It's a posture. When you find people throughout the Bible that would enter the presence of the Lord, they would fall prostrate. They would fall to the dirt before His presence. In a position of humility. I really believe that God works according to the teaching here of James. And that is that he gives grace to the humble. And when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. To be humble is to have the same mindset of Jesus who existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God something to cling to. But it says he did what? He took on the form of a servant and came into the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself. He came in humility. Jesus never wanted to make a celebrity out of himself. The crowd did. The the, the people did. But we have to divorce ourselves from public opinion. That's why in worship, you can't hold on to your dignity and experience the glory at the same time. One or the other's got to go. The brother came up to me a few moments ago, my brother here. He said, man, he said, I, I, I enjoyed your excitement during worship, your enthusiasm. And he said, 40 years ago, I used to do that too. <laughs> I said, well, 40 years ago, I used to do a little bit more than that than I did this morning. <laughs> worship is is is. Divorcing yourself from ego, it's, it's lifting up your ha- hands is, is a posture of humbling yourself. Getting on your knees in an altar is a posture of humility. It's an expression of humility. And God gives grace to the humble. He lifts up the humble. He that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Promotion comes from the Lord. But he, he's, he's drawn to humbling ourselves, humility, recognizing that, God, we're nothing without you. God, God, we need you. Every breath that we breathe comes from you. Every, every word that we speak, every thought that, that, that triggers in the uh, synapses of our brain, every, every uh, um, you know, sentence that you know, we're able to formulate and, and carry out a, a thought and, and expression is from God. He created us in his likeness and his image. And, and we're not him. There is a God and I'm not him. I am subject. I am submissive. I am humbled. 
that God would create me and you in his likeness and his image. Hallelujah. And it's unto him we worship. And this woman approaches him in humility. It's the ultimate example. As she approaches him, Jesus is, is touched by her. But it was through her humility. Now, I, I will say this in her humility. I, please don't get me wrong. Because possessing a gentle and quiet spirit does not, not mean that we should be passive people. Because God also requires action and zeal. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith without works is dead. So it, it, it's not an excuse for us to be passive. He tells us that the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. It suffers violence and, the, and, and we take it by force. So don't get me wrong. Uh, humility, we were talking about this yesterday and, uh, with the staff um, about an interview with uh, an athlete. I don't know whether you like him or not, Aaron Rodgers, but the, the, the commentator said of him that he said when he interviewed him, he said he has a confident humility. And I, I just like that. I, I grabbed a hold of that one. And, and uh, uh, Pastor John said that confidence means with faith. And we have humility with our faith. Confident humility. And this woman approaches Jesus in that position and posture of humility. The second thing is she touches him with her determination. Now, the, the difference between her, her miracle, her impossible and possible, was her determination. The difference between your impossible and your possible is your determination. Now, motivation may get us going. That may get us started. Motivation. But it's going to take determination for you to finish. It's he that endures to the end that shall be saved. That's determination. Determination presses through the pain. Her determination, she pressed through the discomfort. Look, she had to press through the fact that she was not supposed to be there. And the enemy's probably told some of you today, you're not even supposed to be here. But you pressed on this morning. You got up and you got ready. You overcame your flesh. You, uh, you overcame the slumber. You, you overcame whatever obstacles were in front. I don't know why, but it seems like when the dogs get in the trash, it's always on Sunday morning. When the hot water heater goes out, it's always on Sunday morning. Just, air conditioner goes out, it's always on Sunday morning. Car won't crank, it's always on Sunday morning. Whatever you had to go through today, you were determined, I'm going to the house of God. This woman said, I have been through it for 12 years. I've suffered for 12 years. I've spent every dime I've got. I'm now in debt. I'm now ostracized and rejected. I'm in quarantine and, and chronic pain and discomfort and de a debilitating blood disorder. And she was declared unclean and unfit and she was not supposed to be in the parade. She had been disappointed by doctor after doctor after doctor. Diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis. She had been disappointed by medicine. She had been disappointed by the crowd. She had been rejected by religion. She had been ostracized. But she made up her mind. She heard about Jesus. And she said, I've got a determination. 
I've got a determination. And with our determination, we need to have a declaration with it. I'll never forget when my wife was diagnosed in 2006 with colon cancer. And the doctor, uh, we were behind the door of the doctor's office. And the doctor came in and he said, Mr. Miss Holder, he said, I, I have some bad news. He said, we have found uh, an, uh, cancer in your colon and it has to be removed immediately. And so my wife went through surgery, thank God. Well, obviously you can see she's sitting here healed, cancer-free by the power of God. Amen. That's been almost 16 years. And, and, but, but the doctor said these words behind that door. He said, I really believe as a doctor, as a physician, that this diagnosis will not alter her lifespan. That was what we grabbed a hold of as our declaration. And we said, you will live and not die, and you will declare the wonderful works of the Lord. We grabbed a hold of a declaration. The woman with the issue of blood had a declaration. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, that was her declaration of faith. I, I, I want to just speak to somebody right now. I, today's your day for a declaration of faith. And what you declare, I believe that God will honor. I'm telling you, he can do Miracles, super abundant, beyond what you ask or think, according to the power of faith that works inside of you, according to Hebrew uh, Ephesians chapter three twenty. Our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power of faith that operates inside of you. She touched him with a declaration of faith, a determination, which brings me to the third point. She touched him with her faith. She touched him with her faith. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One thing the disciples had spent all of this wonderful time with Jesus. They'd gone hiking together. They'd gone fishing together. They had, they had camp outs together. They, they were hiking before uh, the Finningsworth. I mean, they were hiking, I mean, uh, with Jesus. They were having, you're seeing miracle after miracle. I mean, he turned water into wine. He's raising the dead. He, he, he's calming the seas. And they're seeing all of these experiences and all of these, these events. And, and when Jesus is beginning to explain to them his, uh, his future departure. Uh, his disciples come to him and said, Jesus, we have one thing to ask of you. Increase our faith. That's what they asked. He didn't say, can I get a raise? They didn't say that. Because if you've got faith, you're going to get a raise. They didn't say, can we catch, Peter didn't say, Jesus, can we catch more fish like that one day we did and we brought in so many we couldn't even, the boat couldn't handle it, the net couldn't. They didn't ask for that. They didn't ask for that. Jesus, you know, a couple of them, the sons of Zebedee, they got in an argument about who was going to be who in the kingdom, you know, and where I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit there. You know, they had to learn a lesson in humility. But they didn't ask for a promotion or title increase and you know you you must call me such and such and such a judge i earned this and that you they didn't demand that they didn't ask for that they'd been to the university of jesus they didn't even ask for a degree to hang on the wall we graduated from the three and a half year you know they did it in three and a half years it took me five 
get my first one. But they said, Jesus, increase our faith. And this woman touches Jesus with her determination, the principle of determination. And then finally, this woman touches Jesus with the principle of faith. And I close if the uh, worship team, musicians, whoever comes, whoever wants to come, as long as you know how to play and sing. Amen. If, if you don't, please remain seated. Every gift makes way for itself, but you need the gift. <laughs> Her faith was more than a confession. I want you to get this. It was more than just words. It was action. Because she got down on her hands and her knees. And she crawled through the crowd, through the parade. Until she could get in position to touch him of his garment. Because she had made a declaration of faith. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. So she pushed through whatever obstacles were in her way. Speaking to somebody right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. There's some stuff you're going to have to push through. There's some stuff you're going to have to crawl through. There's some stuff that you're going to have to put behind you. The enemy keeps digging it up. He keeps trying to get you to relive it. He keeps trying to tell you that's who you are, but that's not who you are. And this woman said, I'm not going to be in quarantine all my life. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be bleeding all my life. Some of you, there's some out here. And it's, you know, the King James Version uses a very interesting word. It says she was a woman with an issue. A woman with an issue. Never met one of those, have we? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and get off the hook real quick. I probably know more men with issues than I do women with issues. I got upset because I didn't have nowhere to park yesterday. I mean, I got an issue. But she presses through whatever was in her way. I want you to make up your mind today. I'm going to touch Jesus with my faith. I'm going to touch Jesus for myself. And I want to tell you, you may have a physical issue because it's not just limited to physical either. But it may be physical today. But it may be emotional. It may be something from your past. It may be something that that you're facing tomorrow. I don't don't know what you got to go home to today. I don't know what when the alarm clock rings in the morning, you say to yourself, Oh, God, 
God, if I got to do this again, if I got to face them again, I want you to touch Jesus for that today. Whatever you're dealing with, you can touch him. And when she touched him, the Bible says she was made whole. And that word touch is is an interesting word that I want to give you in closing. That word touch is the word in the Greek, hepsato. And hepsato means to attach oneself to. Woo! And it means beyond that. It means to attach oneself to an implied relationship. Mm. So it wasn't just give me my healing. It was give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I want to know him. I want to touch him. Hepsato. I want to to touch him for myself. Relationally. And then the Bible says, Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody, there was a crowd pushing against him. After everybody denied it. Peter said, I didn't. James said, no, I didn't touch you. I, I, didn't, I didn't bump into you, Jesus. I, 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 others of the disciples, the followers, we, it was not us. It was not us. Peter, he, he kind of gets, you know, Peter's always, you know, he's the high D in the crowd. And, and he says, Jesus, Master, They're all thronging you. People everywhere are touching you. That's a joke. What do you mean? Who touched you? There's hundreds of people touching you today. There's a big parade, Jesus. Everybody's following you. We're going to Jairus' house to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And everybody wants to go and see it. And so they're with us. They're following us. But who touched me? What do you mean, who touched me? Come here, Pastor Jonathan, real quick, real quick. Turn around. Am I touching you? Yes, I am. Am I touching you? Am I touching you? No, I'm not. How did Jesus know she touched him? When everybody else is bumping up against him, everybody else is around him. She touches the hem of his garment. When you touch the hem of a garment, you don't know if you're being touched or not. Especially with the garments they wore, which were 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 uh, gathering and are, are not, you know, kind of ballooned out and and long and you know a garment that would hang down. You would never know it. So how did Jesus know it? Give Pastor Jonathan a hand for. How did Jesus know it? He said, King James Version says virtue. NIV says power. And the word power there is the Greek word dynamon, which is the same word that we carry over in the book of Acts. It talks about power, dunamis, capable of reproducing itself. Because Jesus can not only heal. Man, this is good capable of reproducing itself. 
Come on now. The power of God is capable of reproducing. That's why this promise shall be to your children, your children's children, and as to many as afar off. The power of God, the manifestation of signs and miracles and wonders are here today. Why? Because it's capable of reproducing over and over again. So a woman with 12 years of issue of blood is healed and set free instantaneously. The bleeding dries up and she's able to get into the parade. She doesn't have to cry out unclean anymore. She's healed. She's delivered. She's set free. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to heal, deliver, and set free today. All we have to do is touch him. And dynamon, dunamis, flows into our life and it's capable of reproducing because Jesus doesn't stop there. He's just not limited to a woman with 12 years of issue of blood. He goes to a 12-year-old dead girl and raises her body from the dead in the same chapter, in the same verse, in the same moment, in the same journey. I'm here to tell you right now, you think some of your things are dead? But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is here to resurrect them. You think that your bleeding will never stop, but God's here to heal you today. God's here to heal your past. He's here to heal the wounds of your mistakes. He's here to deliver and set free. Stand with me this morning. Can we just honor Jesus right now? Can you just honor the Lord of glory?